Well, here we go. Episode 77 of the Planet LP Podcast. Hi there, I'm Ted Astrogadu. Welcome to an episode that's about to get kind of intimate. By that, I mean this episode is about relationships and songs that center on our relationships with others and even ourselves. Yeah, it'll get kind of deep at times, but I think you're going to find this episode one that evokes emotions of being close to someone, even if that someone is you. I have a good friend waiting in the wings to talk about relationships and songs. But first, let's get social. I'm on Groupie, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Planet LP and follow along. And if you're a band, artist, or even a writer of music and would like to spotlight your work, just email me at ted at planetlp.com and maybe you'll be featured on the podcast. Now that I've gotten all the podcast promotional talking points put to bed, Let's get up close and personal with relationship songs. Danielle Jennings, welcome to the Planet LP podcast. Ted Azrigadu, I am so excited to be here with you. I'm excited that you're on. Danielle and I have worked <laughs> together at iHeartMedia in the news and traffic division. It was called Total Traffic and Weather Network. Now, I started with iHeart in 2013, and then Danielle joined in 2017. And we became fast friends for shared humor and the ability to do impressions of famous and not so famous people. (laughs) (laughs) Danielle and I don't, we don't work together anymore, but we've stayed in touch and I've wanted to have her on the pod for a while. And we were going back and forth with texting and voice notes and so forth, spitballing ideas for an episode that we thought would really be satisfactory to both of us, that we wouldn't feel like, oh my gosh, this seems like a heavy lift for me. So we landed on relationships and how complicated they can be and how relationships in songs often express not only love, like I love you, but they can also express other things that I hate maybe you. Is, I hate you, or it's like codependency or toxic relationships. In a nutshell, Things are kind of complicated, right? With relationships, and they can be. We're going to get to the songs, but we're going to talk a little bit about dating and relationship apps in the first part. First, let me set the generational table for a moment. Danielle and I are about 20 years apart in age. I'm older than she is. I've been married for almost 30 years. Danielle is a single woman in her 30s. I haven't been in the dating pool since 1987. That's when I met Julie, and we've been together since. Nowadays, Danielle, it seems like dating is such an app-based thing that it can seem less like you're trying to connect with someone than ordering off a menu. Would you say that's fair as a person who's dating? Absolutely. It's uh, to me, it's it's felt a little bit like DoorDash at times. Like, <laughs> oh, what am I hungry for today? And you know what? I, I don't want to knock apps because right. there are a lot of people that I know who have met their significant others, husbands, mm-hmm. wives, etc., on dating apps. It works for a lot of people, and the platform, depending on what it is, can help you if you're looking for something casual or something more serious. But for me, it just hasn't resonated for the reason that you're. That you're talking about around genuine connection. Yeah, it seems like prior to apps or even websites that have tried to connect you with your the love of your life, how people met one another, and I'm sure they still do this now, is whether it's you meet someone at a party or some other social gathering or somebody says, hey, I, you should meet this person. I think you two would get along. And then you slowly build up a relationship. 
by mm-hmm. human to human connection, by being in the same space together or talking on the phone or whatever. But it, it, it seems like now it's much more mediated through technology to the point that the technology can increase your insecurities about yourself if you're not making that connection. And I know that there's the sort of swiping that when you're on these dating apps and what is it? Swipe left, swipe right. I don't know which, which way that people, somebody says, no, I'm not interested in you. And if you get too many of those, there's been, I've seen news articles that write about people's self-esteem really just getting crushed by the fact Mm. that they're not making a connection in any meaningful way with someone. This brings up the topic of self-love. This is exactly why your relationship with yourself matters more than any other relationship. Because if you truly love yourself and you're sovereign in yourself and you absolutely know that your worth and value does not come from another person, then those rejections, so to speak, don't feel so painful because mm-hmm. then you're actually in sovereignty with yourself and you can say, oh, that person didn't match with me. No big deal. One of my coaches that has taught me so much about self-love says, you know, she loves the the phrase, no big deal. He didn't write me back. No big deal. He didn't swipe right. No big deal. Because it actually doesn't mean anything about my worth and value. That's something that I think more and more people should probably learn if they're out <laughs> trying to connect with people. And this could be a romantic relationship or even just a friendship, bringing in new friends and trying to make real connections with people you do have to kind of know yourself. Like, what is it that I'm looking for in a relationship? And I'm not talking specifically about romantic relationships. It could be like a creative endeavor. I Mm -hmm. want to work in a creative team with somebody. Who is that person or people? Who are the people that I get along with? But it sounds like what you're doing, and we'll get into that in just a second, but this relationship coaching that you're talking about is learning to accept who you are. You can try to change who you are, but at some level, you can't. <laughs> Why? Is, Why would you want to? The people that want to change themselves, maybe they don't like who they are. And so they're going to adopt a different persona or something. And oftentimes they'll do that so that they feel accepted by others rather than, I know who I am, here I am. And and either you're going to jive with me or you're not. And that's mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that. So before we get into the relationship songs, let's talk about something that you're trying out. And it's kind of a new age name. It's the Tantra Institute. And they seem to have some novel ideas about dating, relationships, and breakups that can, well, it seems to to lessen the misery that comes with the disillusion of a relationship. So let's let's talk about what this institute is and how it's helped you and probably can help others. I don't have enough time to talk about how incredible. <laughs> That's all we got time for, folks. <laughs> um, I need I need hours to talk about how incredible this program and this institute has been in my life. I consider myself a pretty spiritual person, and mm-hmm. I've gotten involved in a lot of different spiritual endeavors and personal development and self help and personal growth type of programs. I think you called it woo-woo, didn't you? It is very woo-woo. It is. Um, well, some people would call it woo-woo, but yeah. yes, it's there's a spirituality to it. There's something deeper than your day-to-day. I learned about a program through the Tantra Institute that is called the 90-Day Relationship Experiment. Okay. I'm pausing for the intrigue. This program is 
one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. I'm just wrapping it up now. I signed up for it really wanting to dive deeper into my relationship with myself. And I learned that this program is actually like a relationship boot camp. All of the things that we learned in high school that we don't use. And then, you know, we've had conversations about what do we, what, what do I wish we would have learned? Finances, relationships. Nobody teaches how to have healthy relationships, including the relationship with yourself. So that's what this program is all about. You know why that is? They don't teach that in high school because the teachers fundamentally don't have good relationships with students. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Touche. Oh my God. Yes. Um, But yeah, this This program is revolutionary and it's actually putting men and women into a a safe place where you can have practice relationships that actually have a start date and an end date to them. And in in the safety of that, you actually get to practice and learn relationship skills and come up against some of your patterns and start to learn things about yourself and practice these things in a place that that is safe and loving and supportive so that you can take that out into the world. And again, like you said, in your friendships, your family, your romantic mm-hmm. life, these are skills that are incredibly valuable for any human being around vulnerability and asking for what you desire and being okay with not getting what you want and taking care of yourself through that, having genuine conversations and saying things that might be scary to say and being accepted for who you are, all of these incredible, beautiful skills that you get to actually practice in in real time with a practice partner. It's not a dating program. It's not Mm -hmm. a matchmaking service. And what they say in this program, which I absolutely love, is you are not here to find the one. You are here to be the one. That actually changes the perspective of what I thought this really was, which which was to help you with relationships with others. But really, in order to do that, you got to start with yourself, right? Absolutely. That's where it all starts. A lot of times with the relationships, they we're going to get into the songs, folks. Believe me. <laughs> we, <laughs> I thought this was a music podcast. What's it is a music podcast. <laughs> so we will, we will talk about songs, but I think making sure we have a, a pretty thick backstory before we get into it, I think we'll give yes. people a sense of the perspective that this is coming from and how we look at these songs or how we read the lyrics. And it does kind of change in some ways. At least for me, when I started reading some of these lyrics, and when you told me, obviously, before we started recording the podcast, a little bit about this program, that centering it on yourself, because that seems to be the source of a lot of people's problems, right? You're like, why can't I connect with people? It's mm. more, why won't people connect with me? So this seems like it it starts with a, you know, a real deep dive into Lake U. Go right down to the bottom and see if you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's murky down there. Be careful. Yeah, absolutely. You sent me the, the the website for the Tantra Institute, and I was reading through it. I'll just read what it says from from the website. It says because when you start to subconsciously question whether you're truly worthy of love and acceptance, it can cause you to, and it starts listing these bullet points of things like. Shy away from pursuing romantic connections with amazing people because you see them as out of your league. 
I was thinking about that like that's like high school in a nutshell. You think, oh, this person is so amazing, and I wish I could just meet them, but no, they're totally out of my league. I can't, yes. Why would that person ever talk to me? Man, every high school drama that you would see or high school romantic comedy that from John Hughes onward has that almost out of their league. It's always that pairing of two people, you know, the real popular person or maybe the not so popular person. And then of course, in the end, they get together and we're all happy for them, right? Oh, I have so much to say about that, but we don't have enough time. You want to do the uh, the short version of it? <laughs> I, I mean, the short the short version is um, if I could go back to my high school self and tell mm-hmm. her how I feel about myself now at 37, my God, I mean, I wouldn't have felt rejected. I wouldn't have felt like anyone was out of my league because mm-hmm. I would have loved myself so much. And what happens when we pedestal people and we have low self-esteem and then somebody else is is on the pedestal and what's wrong with those movies And the ending is that the captain of the football team chooses the awkward girl, Mm -hmm. for example, and now she feels like she's worthy because she's been chosen by this, you know, this pedestaled man. And that self-worth came from outside of her instead of actually knowing that she's already so worthy and valuable and doesn't need, I mean, this is the premise of every Disney movie, every rom-com, every, um, (laughs) but again, like I, there's, there's so much I could say about that, but yeah, if someone is out of your league, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. It actually means this person's better than me. I'm not good enough. And that's where the self-love comes in. And then the spiral into a cascade of negative self-talk Whenever a partner pulls away or rejects your desire, a friend of mine just says, uh, negative self-talk. Yeah, that's stinking thinking. That's really what mm-hmm. it is, right? Yes. Well, we all have it. Uh, we all sort of doubt certain things. And it could be you could get 10 positive comments and one person just says maybe something negative. And what do you do glom onto? It's that negative. The comment. negative. Yeah. So that, that negative self-talk starts to reinforce itself. Compromise on your needs and boundaries in order to keep your partner happy. Shut down around the possibility of finding and sustaining intimacy. And then sabotage. You sabotage your relationships (laughs) without sometimes even realizing it when things are going well. Oh, that's saboteur. That's saboteur. I looked at that and I said, okay, so this sounds... If I was just reading this as, you know, sort of scrolling through, I think, oh, they, they're talking about romantic relationships. But I thought if you just swap out relationships like romantic relationships and put artistic endeavors, you know, you've got this kind of stinking thinking that can uh, apply. Mm-hmm. You know, since it's a music podcast, let's take creating music, for example. You get imposter syndrome in the journey of becoming a musical artist. It means those you admire are out of your league. I will never be as good as blank. Ever. Yes. Or that the negative self-talk when your art gets rejected, because you could talk to any artist, whether it's a musician or a writer, and they'll say, oh my God, the number of doors that closed in my face before somebody said, I think you got something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And then people must learn to compromise. Like, think about your, you're in your band. You got to keep your group happy because this is like your little business, but it's also a creative endeavor and a kind of an intimate relationship. And then there's the people who always find ways to make others look bad. They sabotage opportunities for success. And I was thinking about that guy from the 1975, Matt Healy, or he goes by Maddie Healy. He was in a a short-term relationship with Taylor Swift. 
And I'm all like, so he goes on this podcast and he starts making fun of another performer who happens to be Asian and does like a very over the top stereotypical Asian accent or was mm. laughing along with it, or he does a Hitler salute on stage. Oh God. And it's, and his band members are like kind of shutting him down, like stop it. And like they would, he would start to say something on the mic and they would launch into a song. And I was talking with my daughter about this and she thought it was funny. And I'm all like, it is funny. I said, but you got to realize there's three other guys in that band whose livelihood depends on them performing every night. And if they go out there and this guy's sabotaging that agreement that they have, that relationship by going on the mic and trying to say transgressive things, thinking it's funny. They're like, that's not funny, dude. You're ruining my ride here. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, then you're not standing up for what you truly believe in, in service to something that might not really be in service. Like that's a whole other topic. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me of when I was reading those bullet points, like what it's like to be in a band. I've never actually been in a band longer than a week. And that was in high school. <laughs> a, a whole week. Wow. A whole week. Yeah. yeah. It, all, it all fell apart when the guy who was our guitarist says, yeah, this blows. And he walked out. Oh, man. <laughs> so it was just me and the drummer. And I was just like, well, we got nothing. And this is before wow. the White Stripes or, you know, the Black Keys where you could have a vocalist and, and a drummer and try to make music from that. But I was just like, yeah, I think I think we're done. So that was yeah. that was my short term. Should short-term. he got married, should have known we'd never get far. <laughs> exactly. We didn't get very far at all. <laughs> so you and I have worked in the radio biz. And one thing that we know from working in radio and being radio listeners is that love songs are the most popular ones out there. I mean- you know my fondness for hard rock and alternative, but those genres do have love songs. But yes. the ones that really resonate are the ones on pop radio or maybe now on playlists. So one thing you noticed is that certain love songs are kind of messed up. How so? Wow. So <laughs> I <laughs> wow. Wow, Ted. Thanks for teeing that um, one up. <laughs> so honestly. You know, I'm a music lover. I'm a, I'm a lover of every genre out there, every artist that you could possibly think of, and all of those popular songs. But I never mm-hmm. realized how codependent and toxic so many love songs were mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I started learning about healthy relationships. Healthy relationships are actually not comprised of codependent or these anxious avoidant attachment patterns that a lot of us have known rather healthy partnerships are ones where each person is whole and Mm -hmm. sovereign and filled up with their own self-love. They're not looking for validation or approval outside of themselves. And then from that place, they can meet another person who is also a whole sovereign being. And then together, the love they experience is just overflow from what they already have on the inside, if that makes sense. It does actually. Understanding yourself and then accepting your limitations and your strengths and saying, look, this is who I am. That's a heavy lift for a lot of people. They don't want to go down that route. Whether they think it's too, it's too new agey for me, man, to go down that road. (laughs) It's too woo-woo. We're too woo-woo. All I need is I need a Bud Light and Netflix. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, And then we're numbing our feelings. Yes, exactly. Before I came to work for Total Traffic, I had worked for other radio stations. But prior to that, as you know, I was a college professor. And so I had gone to school for a long time to get to get my doctorate. <laughs> and, and I started teaching for about I, – I taught for about five years, but it was all part-time. And I couldn't get a, a full-time position. So I finally ditched it and said, well, then screw it. You know what? Academics isn't going to be 
isn't going to work out. That, that mm-hmm. is over. But I kept that anger and how my self-worth was tied to all that work that I had done and that I couldn't land that tenure track job. And that kind of started that spiraling of, you know, negative self-talk and feeling like, well, hey, you're just you clearly don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. And I did speak with a therapist about this at one point. And I, and he goes, Well, tell me, how do you feel that you just didn't have the career that you wanted? And I said, I'm pissed off, man. I said, I'm really pissed off. Yeah. He goes, Good. He said, get mad. And he said, he said, who are you mad at? I said, at the whole goddamn system, the way it was all structured. And I was felt like I was sold a bill of goods. Like if I just did X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C would fall into place. And I did X, Y, and Z, and A, B, C fell apart. So I felt betrayed. And he says, excellent. Be mad, write those down, and be okay with those feelings about being angry about it. Yes. And you know what? It helped me get over it. I was just like, okay, yeah. It just didn't happen. So fuck those people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> our feeling, you know, our feelings just want to be felt, heard, and acknowledged. Right. That's it. And if and and suppressing them does the opposite. We we shut down. It's we want to numb them. They just want to be expressed. And then yes. they're gonna shift into something else. So we were talking about relationship songs in terms of codependency. You said that wow, there are a lot of codependent songs out there and songs you, we like. I mean, they were yes. popular. And, and, but yes. the more you dig into the lyrics, the more you think, oh, wow. Oh, man. You know what? It's, it's not our fault, right? It's, yeah. not, it's not our fault because if you think of the narratives that we grew up with in the world mm-hmm. of Disney movies and rom-coms, right. I think of that famous line from Jerry Maguire, you complete me. <laughs> yeah. And and all of that narrative is actually talking about the idea that you are not whole without a partner. Yeah, yeah. And that creates an idea of finding love from a place of need and lack in your life. And then the idea when someone leaves a relationship that love is somehow gone. This is why breakup songs are so heart-wrenching. There's this idea that if if you have an ending to a relationship, love has left you. Mm. But what mm-hmm. I've learned in this journey is that that's actually impossible. Because if you practice and embody true love and devotion for yourself, mm-hmm. love can never actually leave you. Hmm. And don't Th- get I me mean- wrong, this pain has been the catalyst for some of the greatest, most famous love songs on the planet. <laughs> but have yeah. you ever actually yeah. listened to what the lyrics are saying? Sometimes no, because I'm just I'm, you know I'm just I'm just not thinking about the lyrics. Sometimes I'm just focused on the music, like, oh man, that's a great drum fill, or this guitar hook is so awesome. Yes. And then the work kind of come in later. I um, was having this conversation with someone recently that they were more focused on the music. I was mm-hmm. focused on the lyrics. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I'm definitely a lyrical listener when it comes to music. So that's a really cool thing to kind of notice about ourselves. So let's talk about the category codependent songs, since it's already been referenced a couple of times. We might as well dig into a few of them that we had put on a list, and you have some lyrical examples of codependency. So why don't you take the first one? During this journey of self-love, I started to listen to music differently. I remember the first time I ever heard one of these love songs and thought to myself, well, that's not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I started making a list of the most codependent love songs out there. So I'm thinking of Tony Braxton's Breathe Again. 
It was pretty popular in the uh, 90s, early 2000s, somewhere around there. It's a good jam. It's a good jam. Hey, um, I was working in adult contemporary radio back then, and I played it a lot. I remember yes, playing and, and the lyrics in that song are, please understand if love ends, then I promise you that I shall never breathe again. And I know I can't pretend, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't have air in my lungs because we're not together anymore. Wow. And there's another line in that song that says, I know I can't pretend that I won't die if you decide you won't see me again. Jeez. I didn't know it was that dark. There's there's another example where, you know, I played this song for well, for years when I was on the air. I didn't really listen to the lyrics, you know. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do my weather report or something. <laughs> I'm not bothering with it. But as a listener, like when you broke this down, I'm all like, well, that's dark, man. Yes. Jeez. That's what I'm Tony saying. Braxton, what's wrong? What's wrong with you, Tony? Jeez. I mean, I, I, I love Tony Braxton and mm. a lot of her lyrics. I've noticed there are some songs in there that are like, I am nothing mm-hmm. without you. Yeah. You got a classic coming up from, well, I guess a classic artist. So I don't believe he wrote it, but performed by Frank Sinatra. How's this for a title? You're nobody till somebody loves you. (laughs) Think about that. Listen, baby, you're nobody till somebody loves you. You understand? (laughs) Dollface. Yeah. I mean, literally the lyric of that song is you're nobody till somebody loves you. You're nobody till somebody cares. So find yourself somebody to love. Jeez. I mean, if that doesn't scream, you better be in a relationship or you have absolutely no worth or value in this world. I don't know what does. Oh my gosh. I can't help but laugh at this because it almost sounds like a parent telling a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other level of conditioning that shapes our beliefs about ourselves. Listen, Buster. You're nobody till somebody loves you, okay? <laughs> You're nobody till somebody cares. So go find yourself somebody to love and get the hell out of the house. <laughs> As you take another Marlboro Red from the pack. Exactly. Oh, my Lord. And it's, yeah. you know, we're laughing, but like that really happens. Yeah. And I, and I know we're going to get into this a little later, but there is a song that you referenced that talks about the toxic parental conditionings, mm-hmm. the way that a parent speaks to a child. Yes. So yes. we can get into that. Sinatra, sure. You, you've probably heard this song if you dug into any of Sinatra's work and you thought, oh, it's kind of the way it's orchestrated and everything. You think, oh, it's kind of nice. It's got the sort of, I don't know, glow of that era. Mm-hmm. The swelling orchestra and everything. And you just, he's got a great voice. Of course, he's got a great voice. He's Frank Sinatra. But then you dig into the lyrics, you're like... Oh, what if it was a parent smoking their, you know, their fourth Marlboro Red in the morning <laughs> with their black coffee? Yeah. Oh my exactly. Gosh. Now, exactly. Now, here's somebody who's made sort of uh, almost a cottage industry over uh, relationship songs, and that's Taylor Swift. Yeah. As much as those lyrics, a lot of her lyrics are fantasy love. I, I'm a Swifty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just say that. I love her music. <laughs> All um, right. I live with a Swifty, my daughter. Every, she talks about Taylor Swift a lot. She loves her music. It's gonna I love her, her music. It's just, you know, if you don't take these lyrics so seriously, it's, mm-hmm. then it can just be fun to sing, to sing them. But she has a song called The Way I Loved You. Mm-hmm. And I, I was listening to this recently and realizing that the lyrics of this song, it's actually about how she's 
in a healthy relationship with a beautiful, loving person, and she's missing the toxic codependent relationship from her past. Wow. So the lyrics say, he respects my space, never makes me wait. He calls when he says he will. He's close to my mother. He's charming and endearing and I'm comfortable. But I miss screaming and fighting and kissing in the rain. It's 2 a.m. I'm cursing your name. You're so in love. You act insane. And that's the way I loved you. Jeez. Okay. So a little bit to unpack here. But let's go back to the to the high school model for a moment, and uh, let's uh, picture in your mind a sixteen uh, year old Ted Asfragadu sitting in the hallway with his friend, and we're watching people go by, and there's this relationship with a really nice girl and an asshole guy. Yeah, and uh, Ted turns to his friend and says, "Why do the girls always go out with dicks like that?" What is the problem with them? Mm-hmm. But when it gets filtered through Miss Swift's point of view, she kind of misses the the drama and yes. the, the chaos. It's it's the idea that that drama and chaos is romantic. Mm-hmm. And I'm I've learned this from from these incredible coaches I've worked with that drama and chaos. It's the reason why all these reality shows are so popular. Yeah, yeah. That the whole idea of of pining away and he's going to call, he's not going to call. What do I do? I like that that you know, and that romantic chemical rush of the first time you meet someone and you, and all this chemistry is flying around. We are taught that that's romantic instead mm-hmm. of what I've learned in my adulthood actually is romantic is safety and feeling calm in my body around somebody and secure attachment. And I'm not an expert. I'm learning about what this means. And I've felt, I've felt both of them, but I think the the song is actually saying that there's something so romantic about the chaos and the screaming and the fighting. And she references the roller coaster kind of rush. <laughs> I've learned that in my body, that doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And the more yeah. I love myself, I don't want the roller coaster kind of rush. Mm-hmm. I want something and I don't need the high highs and the low lows. I think what what I'm actually after now is just steady. And that's again brings me back to that steady place in myself that I can actually be steady and calm in myself and then bring that energy in with another person. That is absolutely a way to go if you want those things. But in this song, she's addicted to the rush, right? It's what it seems like. Yes. And there are a lot of people that are addicted to those kind of, you can call them codependent relationships. This seems a little bit toxic to me because, wow, they they really have a volatile relationship. But if you're seeking stability, maybe stability doesn't make for good pop music. You know? <laughs> You know, that's, that, that has some truth to it. I'm not going to lie. There's a reason these songs, but I think they're all, the other reason that these songs are so popular is because this is the mindset that so many people, including myself in the past, were living through like, oh, I know that pain. Yeah. I know yeah, yeah. that. I know how she was feeling when she wrote that. Cause I have felt that. Radiohead, not known for their love songs, but they did, <laughs> they did record a codependent song. 
Creep. Maybe I'll let you take some of these lyrics. So I didn't realize until I re-listened. I've heard this song a million mm-hmm. times. Right. But until right. you you sent it to me, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were trying to go back and forth with the, the codependency. And I don't care if it hurts. I want to have control. I want a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. I want you to notice when I'm not around. You're so fucking special. I wish I was special. But I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here, mm. right? It's just like, okay, wow. yeah, you you've got some uh, you've got some issues because you want this perfect, 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 but now your self worth. You look at yourself. You're like, no, nah, I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? What am I even trying with this relationship? And that's that's kind of how I how I took it. Is that that I don't know if he was, if this person will give him that perfection, body, soul, all those sort of things, and feel special as well. He says, I wish I was special, but I'm a creep. Would that really make him feel better about himself? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like he'll always have that creep and weirdo self worth, like pretty much embedded into uh, his soul, as it were. Yeah, it's it's that whole concept of I don't love myself, but if you tell me that I'm worth something, then I'll feel I'm worth something. And then it's right back to looking outside of ourselves for validation. Right. The Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire model of you complete me. He says, don't forget how he, you complete me. <laughs> I don't know. Just something about Tom Cruise. It just. There's kind of if there's a punchable face, it's sometimes it's Tom Cruise <laughs> when he acts these ways. Oh so this this super macho way, I'm just like, shut up, man. Oh, I mean, wow. talk about uh, some some issues with self esteem there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So the next song is is one I also played a lot when I was in adult contemporary radio, and again, I didn't really listen to the lyrics, but you want to spotlight it for its codependency as well. How do I live without you? Uh, I want to know. (laughs) (laughs) Trisha Yearwood. Okay. I love her. And Mm -hmm. this song, this song is so sad to me listening to the lyrics because it literally says, if you ever leave, baby, you would take away everything good in my life. Without you, there'd be no sun in my sky. There would be no love in my life. There'd be no world left for me. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I'm, I don't look at music. The, I still love yeah, to sing. Yeah. I love all these songs. I will sing them, but I'll sing them with a little bit of humor. I, won't, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I can't take them seriously anymore. Let's say you broke up with somebody and they wrote a letter that was based on these lyrics. You think they're going to kill themselves. Like, exactly. Like, and is um, that attractive? I mean, it's not yeah. attractive. What's, you know, what's one of the number one things that people say they're attracted to in somebody else, aside from sense of humor and uh, rock hard abs? <laughs> I, I was going to say bouncing and behaving hair. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> confidence. Confidence. And confidence is key. Insecurity yeah. is not attractive. Yeah. You think about it. Would you want to be around an insecure person or would you rather be somebody who is com- around somebody who is confident? And yeah, that is an attractive quality. And whether Absolutely. people feign confidence, that's another thing. People can fake it and you know they look super confident and then you meet them and you get to know them more and you're like, wow, you're a hot mess. 
<laughs> yes. How many times has that happened? I mean, talk about like, this is a whole other subject, but, you know, talk about dating apps and meeting or, you know, this idea of this incredibly attractive, physically attractive person, and you just mm -hmm. cannot wait to meet them. And then you get up close and personal and you're like, you are not kind. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too, right? Confidence can be sometimes cocky, you, cocky and cruel. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Yeah. It's yes. kind of this cruelty. Absolutely. So rounding um, out the codependency list, we're going to go with one by Bonnie Raitt. Another song I played to death on adult contemporary radio. I actually Man. love it. And Adele, if you haven't heard Adele's version of this song, mm -hmm. it's also quite beautiful. And the title is? I Can't Make You Love Me. Well, there it is. Because I can't part. make you love me if you don't. You can't make your heart feel something it won't. Yeah, that's almost like spurned, being spurned. And how many yeah. times do we shapeshift ourselves into a chameleon to try mm -hmm. to get love, to try to get acceptance, not even just in romance, but in life, in a group of friends and, you know, at work, I'm going to, I'm going to compromise my values because mm -hmm. I need you to love and accept me. I think all roads lead back to high school dramas because this is just very high school to me. Uh, yes. It has that kind of like, if I if I had gotten a note like this or wrote a note like this and shoved it in the locker of somebody that I really liked, it, this kind of expressed how I felt. Does it necessarily mean I'm a codependent person? Maybe, but it also feels like, you know, I've tried everything I can to make myself attractive to you, make myself, hopefully you feel the same way about me as I feel about you. And then if it just doesn't happen, there's just no spark. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow. That's the thing, right? That's suddenly, that's like the self-worth part. Like the dating apps is somebody doesn't swipe right, they swipe left. It's it's almost no like- No big deal. You? Yeah. It's no big deal, but it does feel like a big deal in the, I mean, it is a big deal in these songs or else they wouldn't have been hit because <laughs> so many people feel these sort of things. You know, somebody said to me something that was so profound. They said, Somebody might like apples mm -hmm. and you're an orange. So find somebody who likes oranges. It's like, it's not about you. They just might like apples. The feeling that comes from being seen, loved, and accepted for who you are, which is what I'm experiencing in this program, first with myself, then with other people, there's no better feeling in the world than being all of who you are unapologetically and having somebody else see you for everything you are and love and accept and take you as you are. That's the love that I think most people really want. I think that's what they want. Sometimes what they get is a toxic relationship. <laughs> and we've got some songs that, that kind of reflect that. Mm -hmm. And I, I picked a couple of them and, and I'm going to start with the band Consolidated. Now Consolidated was a San Francisco based band that was popular in the 90s, mostly. They came out of another band called Until December. Great album. They had the one one and done album, but it was a really good one. And when they came out with this album called The Myth of Rock, it's like industrial hip hop. It's very 1990s. And Something the song I haven't listened to much until you brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's the song called Dysfunctional Relationship. A little on the nose, but what I like is that is the way the vocalist sings the the lyrics. It's it's more like um it's robotic. When it's, you played this for me, I could not yeah. stop laughing. What do you do when you know your relationship has failed? 
Have you made any attempt to isolate the problem? How did the communication break down to this extreme? Do you have a basis of trust in the first place? And then it's like, dysfunctional, dysfunctional relationship. Oh my God, I can't. Let me just play a little bit from that. know if I did it exactly like he did, but that was my impersonation of Adam Sherburn from Consolidated. Oh my yeah, lord. Just kind of reminds me of a bit of a robot talking to you. And then just because we've been laughing a lot, so let's just keep the good times going. Here's one from System of a Down, and it's called Psycho. Psycho! Toxicity right there. Psycho, groupie, cocaine, crazy. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, yeah, let's just throw some drugs in there and, and have a functional relationship. It's just, it's so angry. Psycho, groupie. It's like, cocaine, crazy. I can feel the anxiety in my body just listening to that song. Yes. Yes, definitely. And you think, huh, it really does sum up a kind of a weird relationship. Psycho. Groupie, cocaine, crazy. Taylor Swift does it a little bit more elegantly mm. <laughs> in the way you love me with, I miss screaming and fighting and kissing in the rain and it's 2 a.m. I'm cursing your name. Psycho, groupie, cocaine, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we should, oh my God, Ted, we should do a mashup. Yes. <laughs> Can we do a mashup of these two songs, please? Oh a couple of other ones. I just I, we're not going to go too much into the uh, lyrics of them. In fact, we're not going to go into the lyrics at all. But two more I wanted to spotlight. Is, there's another one that's on the nose. It's Lady Gaga's "Bad Romance." Uh-huh. That's definitely a toxic relationship. And then uh, Sia had done a song called "Hostage," which also really mirrors sort of these toxic relationships. And and I'm going to put these songs on a playlist so Planet LP listeners can hear some of these songs. I know we we're sort of making fun of them and and doing impressions. So if you want to hear the actual songs and not my bad take on it. I don't know. I kind of, I like your rendition of uh, Psycho. I think, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I can listen to the original now after that. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe I got a, a next career. I could be like in a system of a down cover band or something. That might yeah. be my next, my next move there. I watch, support you. Watch for it at a farmer's market near you. Right. You know, <laughs> While you're picking out your fresh strawberries. <laughs> Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Toxicity. Thank you. We are a System of a Down cover band. Hope you're enjoying everything. The uh, blueberries are in season. (laughs) They got the uh, artisanal bread over there. And this one's called Psycho. (laughs) I wrote this song when I was in a bad place, man. Yeah, but I feel pretty good out here at the Walnut Creek Farmer's Market. It's really great. Good vibes, everybody. Oh, my God. And then he goes and drinks his, like, matcha 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go over and get like a like those chair massages in about 10 minutes. So, but I want to do the song for you first because it really means a lot to me. Okay. Psycho! Grumpy! Go in! Grumpy! I'm dead. I can't. Oh my gosh. Too, that's too good. It's too good. That was a bad detour. I think I just flushed all my audience down. Like, hey, if they're, uh, if they're still with you, they're the ones that really matter. That's true. That, the good point. Absolutely good point. Sometimes in relationships, especially in songs, one of the more popular subgenres of relationship songs are cheating when, when people cheat. Oh and boy. Call Your Girlfriend by Robin, a song I really, really like. I think I do it's too. so well done. I love her vocals. I love the way it's orchestrated. I love the whole thing. I think it's a standout track on that on that album, which is called Body Talk. But that song, and I've talked about this song in an earlier episode when um well, one of our coworkers, uh, former coworkers, Michael Magali, was on. Oh with yeah. Me, and with John Young when he was um co-hosting with me. I was saying, hey, this is kind of an interesting song because it's about a relationship, a cheating relationship, wherein the woman says, you know, you got to call your girlfriend. You got to, you know, sort of let her down easy, but you got to tell her the truth that you met somebody new. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, wow, I didn't know Robin was so deep. And I said, yeah, apparently she, <laughs> she can really sort of, you know, reflect that. But the one thing I, I often wonder is if you ever took the lyrics and you tried, and I'm you know I'm not going to do this, but if somebody tried to do what she says to do in the song, would it work? Absolutely you know? not. You think, yes, that, you think that would be a good conversation? Hey, so I, uh, I'm calling you because I met somebody new. And I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm still your friend, though. I'm still your friend. We're Hello? still friends. Hello? Yeah. Ooh. Let me Click. call back. Ooh, I've been blocked. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. Death Cab for Cutie had a really great song that's got, I mean, it's, if you listen to the original, it's it's like almost 10 minutes long. It's I Will Possess Your Heart. And the intro, I think, is over two, maybe three minutes. Mm. And it's got this great bass line. But then the lyrics are really kind of poisonous. I mean, it's just- I haven't, I need to listen to that one. That'll be on the playlist, of course. But that one is is one I wanted to talk about with, with not so much cheating, because I was, I'd put it under the cheating category- and my daughter and my wife were like, is that really about cheating? I said, I don't know. I will possess your heart. Who is he talking to? Maybe he's going to – maybe there, there could be like a super creeper category, subcategory, because it certainly fits there. Mm. Uh, TLC had a song called Creep, and that's definitely about cheating. Uh, okay. I love – I actually love that yeah. song. I think just because a, I love I love TLC. Me too. Yeah. I think they're one of the, they were one of the best trios that got better every album. And yes. I, I've never been shy saying that one of my favorite TLC albums is Fan Mail. I just think it's a great album. There's a couple of duds on there, but it's a really strong album and it's incredibly recorded. And I felt like that that was like almost like progressive soul. Absolutely. Like, yeah, very much. I actually, then, side note, I have a friend who just named, uh, he has he has a fish tank and he named his fish T-Boz Left Eye and Chili. <laughs> actually, that might have been, sna- anyway, he, he named three pets. Um, That's great. Which are yeah. great names, by the way, if you're looking for. So, pet yeah, names. but Creep's got that kind of jazzy feel to it. But then you start to dig into the lyrics. You're like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you cheater. Though I'm and not Messerize, only cause yeah. I need some affection. There yeah, you go. So I. Creep. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. I, I can't. The problem is, Daniel, I can't sing. I mean, everyone can sing, but I can't sing well. That's my oh, problem. Well. And then Justin right, Timberlake. We're going to start a band uh, one day. Well, 
I could do a system of a down cover band, but because <laughs> all it is really for the most part is yelling until you really have to sing. And then I'll, then you can come in on that part. So yes, I'll just do yes. the yelling. Okay. Justin Timberlake rounds out the, uh, your cheating heart category with Crimea River. Yeah. Who could forget that gem? So we've sort of talked around this issue of accepting yourself, and I'd created a category called the greatest love of all. And you texted me a video, and I haven't looked at it yet, but of you singing it because of what happened with your experience in the Tantra Institute. And we won't go into the the details of who you were, were paired with or who you were in these relationships with as sort of practice relationships. But one of the things I think that you had talked about, and we haven't even talked about it here on the podcast yet, but the idea of breaking up and how that creates you sort of miserable songs. But the reality is if you only focus on the horrible, then you're going to be just miserable and maybe not get out of that morass of negative thinking or these uh, feelings about nobody loves me and I'm I'm nobody if, unless I'm, I have somebody in my life that somebody loves me. I had put this category, the greatest love of all, just as a placeholder. And you're all like, wait, did you put that in after I sent the video and I told you about this? I said, no, I put it in so as I was telling me about this. But wild. there's an exercise. There's an exercise that they ask you to do. So just take us through that. Well, so this actually came from a different coach um, oh, of sorry. mine. Well, no, Tantra Institute. <laughs> <laughs> they actually they would probably endorse this as well. I'm going to let them know that it's uh, something we can practice in the program. But one of my most incredible coaches and mentors who really helped me on my self love journey. One day, she said, "Have you ever taken a love song and actually sung the lyrics to yourself?" Because how many times do we hear a love song and think, oh, I want somebody to to say those things to me. Yeah, I want I right. want those lyrics to be sung to me one day. And one day I had the experience of actually singing a love song to myself. And it hmm. completely changed the perspective of the song. What was the song and what were the lyrics that kind of spoke to you in a different way? So the first song that ever hit me this way was At Last by Etta James. It's a beautiful song. The lyrics are, at last, my love has come along, my lonely days are over, and life is like a song. It's hard to describe and explain, but there was a feeling that I got inside of myself when I finally started to fully love and accept every part of me. Mm-hmm. I realized that the love that I had been waiting for is actually already here. And this concept of at last, it's like, oh, finally, mm. my love has come along. And I'll never forget when I sang this to myself and I really felt it. At last, my love has come along. My lonely days are over. And life got so beautiful when I started to love myself. I don't feel lonely. That experience of taking these lyrics and actually turning them around and having such sovereign, beautiful self-love completely changed my view of that song and so many other love songs that I've heard. Yeah, and we talked about the weirdness, the, the sort of codependency of Frank Sinatra, but you picked a Sinatra song and you sang it to yourself. I love Sinatra and the the song, It Had to Be You, which again, you know, one could look at as 
as a love song that that a partner might sing to another partner. But when I turned mm-hmm. around the lyrics and I actually sang it to myself, there's a line in there that says, it had to be you. I wandered around and finally found the somebody who could make me be true. And I'm thinking again, I'm like, that's me. I wandered around and I found me. And then there's a line in there that says, nobody else gave me a thrill. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. And I actually felt this around loving myself with all of my faults because full self-love is loving ourselves as we are with all of our quirks and all of our faults and all of our struggles and all of the little bits and pieces that make us who we are. So that song definitely took on a new meaning to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then a, a newer song by Miley Cyrus, Flowers. I've heard this on the radio a few times. It's so good. Not enough to know the lyrics. Flowers is actually a breakup song because she's saying, I didn't want to leave you. I didn't want to lie. Started to cry, but then remembered I. I can buy myself flowers, write my name in the sand, talk to myself for hours, say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing. I can hold my own hand. I can love me better than you can. There is a little bit of like an angry, you know, Mm -hmm. or like a resentful kind of, I can love me better. But if I actually look at it just from the lens of self-love, it is, yes, I can do all of these things for myself. And if you haven't seen the music video to this song, look it up. It actually brought me to tears because it's Miley. It's only her in her house and she's dancing and she's working out and she's swimming and she's, she's just in a place of so much self-love. You can feel it through the screen. And it brought me to tears because I actually am in a place in my life where that's how I walk around my apartment. I feel that. I Hmm. dance and I feel so lit up and there's nobody around who's making me feel that way. You know, there can be somebody that comes into your life that adds gasoline to that fire, but it's already there. And I love this music video because she's really, she's really emulating that. That's a song that I'm definitely going to listen more closely to after hearing how it made you feel and how you sang it to yourself. And you're like, yeah, it's a breakup song. But if you listen to the lyrics in a different perspective, you'll derive a different meaning from it. And it might mean something different when you divorce it from the breakup and put it back onto these are the things that you can do. And so understanding who you are is a big part of accepting well, loving what you are, because there's, there's a lot of people who are like, man, I hate myself. You, I mean, you've heard this in casual talk, right? Yes. People say that. It breaks hate my heart. Why, yeah. Why am I so stupid when I do that? God, I'm an idiot. Or something like that. It's like, why are you saying that about yourself? One thing I've learned is that that's the voice. That's a part mm-hmm. of us. That is a part of us. That's not really us. That's so much conditioning. And And one thing that the Tantra Institute 90-day relationship program actually did for me was to reframe what it means to break up. And they actually call it breaking upwards. That's it. That was the that was the term I wanted to get to. Yes, breaking upwards. So explain yes. that. In a nutshell, breaking up usually leaves people with anger and grief. They might feel closed off. I'll never find love again. Breaking upwards is a whole new ball game. It leaves you full of love and gratitude, allows you to remain grounded while you reflect back on everything you learned during your relationship. 
I mean, imagine this, if people broke up knowing that they were not a good match or that they wanted to try something new or that it was amicable, imagine looking back at the relationship and saying, what are all the beautiful things that came out of this experience? What did I learn about myself in this experience? What did I appreciate about the other person? And and I know that this can get tricky when you talk about, you know, one person didn't want to break up, the other one was unfaithful, something, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. something surprising happens. But that's, again, where the self-love and the self-care comes in, because if somebody if somebody suddenly leaves and you're not ready for it, if you have that foundation of self-love, you can literally get through anything. And this program has completely reframed what it means. Every ending of these practice relationships that I've had have been so full of love and mutual respect and gratitude rather than anger, resentment, and grief. We had kind of touched on this earlier that stability, healthy relationships, those don't make for good pop songs because most people want to, <laughs> most people want to wallow in, in sort of like the heartbreak, uh, the heartache, yes. all of those things, the, the pain that this caused me because, well, conflict makes for good stories, does for novels, does for films, and it does for songs. But you're right. Songs are one thing. Life is another. In order to have a much more emotionally healthy life, you can't live through the lyrics of a song as your kind of philosophy, whether it's incredible sadness or it's, uh, you know, incredible jealousy or rage or, you know, psycho creepy cooking crazy. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you know what? Actually, the what I've learned is that some of these really sad love songs have served a purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And what it's done is it's actually, you know, I put music evokes emotion, right? So if I'm feeling some sadness around something and put on a sad song, it, it exacerbates the feeling, but it actually, in another, you know, this is another gem from my incredible coach that if you put on a sad song, it actually allows you to go deep into the feeling Mm. Mm -hmm. and to move that energy through your body, through music, you can sing it and cry and feel it all instead of suppressing it. So these songs actually have a really beautiful purpose in that way. If you use them in that way to actually move emotions through your body rather than staying stuck. I'm going to dovetail into my effective relationship songs. I have five picks or is it four? Let's see. One, two, three, Oh, there's five. There are five. One of them is not mine. It's it's my wife's, Julie. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked that one out. But The Who, a, a band that's meant a lot to me through ever since I was a teenager to now. Back in 04, 2004, they released a song called Real Good Looking Boy. It had the, the opening notes of I Can't Help Falling in Love With You because there's a reference to Elvis. Elvis Presley. Yeah, there's a reference to Elvis Presley. And the song is sad. It starts by... The narrator thinking back to the first time in his childhood when he saw that face and he's thinking he saw Elvis. He thought that's a real good looking boy. And then he's checking himself in profile in the mirror for the first time. And he's thinking, hey, that's a real good looking boy. Yeah. And, you know, he felt pretty good about himself. So he runs to his mom. He says, mom, you know, take a look at me. Have you ever seen a teen fly so high? And then they do the the chorus. That's a real good looking boy. And then it gets real dark. And she said, son. Well, you know, you're an ugly boy. You don't really look like him, meaning, you know, you don't look like Elvis. Mm. In this long line, there's been some real strange genes. You got them all. 
you got them all with some extras thrown in. And then it was just like, oh, man. And so now he feels like crap because thanks, mom. You really (laughs) know I was feeling good about myself and now I'm not. And then the last part of the song where he kind of finds love and he says, now I'm here with you, little darling. And you say, you're beautiful as you are. And I've managed somehow to survive. You arrived in my life like a fragrance. You helped me find a way to laugh. Now I know where my so-called beauty lies. God gave him a face. Then he gave me something above. God gave me the grace. Then he gave me your sweet, sweet love. You make me feel like I'm a real good looking boy. I feel like I'm a real good looking boy. So this is sort of affirmative towards the end with this relationship. It sounds a little codependent now that we've kind of gone through the sort of categories, but <laughs> but he does find love, you know? He feels like he's found somebody who helps him in a way accept him for who he is because it's like, no, I see that the beauty is in you and now you see it too. So yes. That's, and and it doesn't uh, have to be codependent. And like you said, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful example of yes, we need to cultivate these feelings inside of ourselves and not go searching outside for the validation. But it does it does give an example of something beautiful that can happen when, like I said earlier, when somebody really sees you for who you are mm-hmm. and loves you for who you are without trying to change you. And then that allows you to see yourself even deeper and say, wow, I actually, I feel this. So I love this yeah. song. Yeah, just the the lyric itself when he says, you make me feel like I'm a real good looking boy. I remember when I first heard that, I thought, wow, that's really powerful. So the next song I wanted to spotlight, this is a song that reminds me of my relationship with my wife, and it's by Tanya Donnelly, and it's called Lucky Love. Sadly, they never printed the lyrics to this song, so I had to go and transcribe it, and I hope I got most of it right. Mm-hmm. The, the chorus says, you and me, we don't live in a fantasy of the meaning of souls and eternity, but are we lucky or aren't we lucky? Don't you feel lucky, love? And then the last part, it's hearts break, hands shake. Not again is all I think to say. That old magic won't work in here. We're too far gone. It's far too clear. It's a settled bet. We're all set. No one's going to run. Julie and I have been together. We'll be together 30 years in July as a married couple. Relationships are volatile. I've had a lot of friends who've gotten divorces, you know, they're on second or third marriages. And and you think the why did these relationships break up? And why are we still together? You know, how is it that we're together? And I'm talking about myself and my wife, you know, going on 30 years on, Mm -hmm. uh, almost at 30 years. And how is it that these other relationships that we thought were good fell apart? What happened? We didn't live them, so we don't know. We just hear from one one person's point of view. Hearts break, hands shake. Not again is all I think to say. That old magic won't work in here. We're too far gone. It's far. Another Who song, and I told you that the Who meant a lot to me. And the song I'm One just came off of Quadrophenia. I'd say it's kind of a Gen X anthem because I think 
my, my generation, kind of the middle child and nobody really pays attention to you. And, and there's always been this sort of insecurity and cynicism that's, I think, born out of a feeling of not a lot of worth. Like, oh yeah, we were the generation that nobody really cared about. So this, the lyric starts on I'm one every year. It's the same. And I feel it again. I'm a loser, no chance to win. Mm. And I looked at that as, I mean, man, that it's, it's, it was like a Gen X anthem right there. You know, yeah. just, like yeah. it was written by a guy who was older. He's a boomer. That's, that's one that I won't go too deeply into, but one that I really thought was a, just a powerful song about our relationships with family or a family member, or in the case of this artist, who is Madison Cunningham, her grandmother, she wrote a song that's achingly beautiful and super sad too. Uh, it's called Life According to Rachel, and it came out last year. She has the lyric in there that says, but it feels like tears and memories are all we have. And it's the song that, yeah, I know. It's just my like- My heart. It's just, it's like, oh man. And yes. Madison Cunningham, she's like 25, 26 years old. And I'm like, how the hell do you write this? It is I so- love this. I had not heard yeah. this song until you shared it with me. It's about that her life is very busy and her grandmother is hoping that the cars that are coming down the street, that one of them would be hers. And there's another part of the lyric where the, the grandmother was dying and she was holding out, hoping that Madison, I'm guessing, would come through the door, but she was too late. And the nurse told her, said, you know, she was hoping, she was holding on, hoping that you were going to come through the door. She never did. And I was like, oh man, this really hurts. Uh, you know? Yes. But, it's like that reminder to love the people in our lives while they're here, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. Because mm. you don't know how much you mean to somebody else. Yeah. Oh, grandma's always there or mom's always there or dad's always there. And they miss you. They miss the connection they had with you, either as a child or a grandchild. And as we grow, of course, we're going to have our independence. But I think Madison Cunningham really just kind of nails it on this one about just, it's almost like there's some regret. Like, boy, you tell, know. Tell yeah. the people you love that you love them. Yeah, yeah. Life is too short. It's not if Was there something left unsaid? Were your eyes green? Was they blue? What was it that I forgot to ask you? one is about relationships that could be seen as transgressive, frowned upon in society, whether it's at a time interracial relationships were illegal in this country, uh, certainly gay relationships were, were illegal. Julie picked this one and it's Bruce Coburn and it's called Lovers in a Dangerous Time. And I said, pick a, pick a 
part of this song that you feel sums up what you're trying to convey. And she said, when your lover's in a dangerous time, sometimes you're made to feel as if your love's a crime, but nothing worth having comes without some kind of light. Got to kick at the darkness till it bleeds daylight. Mm. And uh, so I was just like, yeah, that's it. At, at, at the time I took the the title to think, oh, it, maybe it's a Soviet era love song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their love the Bureau wouldn't time. allow it you know the secret police were everywhere that's yeah. the dangerous time or and, she and- was from ukraine he was from moscow their love was dangerous <laughs> i mean what i love about this is it's also like it's it's kind of a, a middle finger to society of like mm-hmm. yes my love is my love and and to each their own and live and right. let live kind of is yeah. what i get to my picks of effective relationship songs. I like how we did this journey from your experiences, dating, getting in the program with the Tantra Institute, understanding that it actually begins with you. It doesn't begin with, this is not a dating program. We're not trying to match you up with people. We're trying to give you a sense of what makes relationships work. Because if you're not working right, the relationships probably won't work right. Yes. Um, and even if you are working right, it might not work right. And that's okay, right? Use the apples and oranges metaphor or example that sometimes it just isn't meant to be. And that's okay. It should be okay with you. It, it's still going to sting, but the breaking upward, it's breaking mm-hmm. upward. Yeah. yeah. So you break upward and you feel like, what did I take away from this relationship that was positive? What did it help me understand more about either myself or the things that I loved about this pairing that I had, brief that it was? Yes. Um, It seems like a very intense experience. And I think for people who you you said earlier, we they don't teach about relationships in school. They don't teach you how to have good relationships, but this place does. So We've been talking about them. We might as well give them a plug. You know what? It, it is incredible. And I, I haven't shared with a lot of people out. You know, I don't share this with people outside of the program because I've been in the program, just kind of immersed in it. But now that I'm coming to the other side of it, I kind of want to shout from the rooftops how much they have changed my life. So it's called the 90-Day Relationship Experiment. And it's happening at the Tantra Institute their website is tantranny.com. They're based out of New York. So just to check it out, just see, and they have all kinds of beautiful things to offer, not just relationships, but they have programs for men, programs for women, programs for couples. And it really is all about the relationship that you have with yourself. That is the basis for everything. Excellent. Excellent. Danielle, this was quite a conversation. I felt we laughed. We went deep (laughs) in the weeds. We screamed, but we didn't quite cry. So we can uh, maybe cry off mic because yeah, we'll cry I, could, because I don't want to do the ugly cry on the mic. <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, trust me, most people who know me well know that I cry freely and I love it. Yes, I do know that about you. You, you're a lot like you and my wife cry a drop of a hat. It is yes. it's, it's uncanny. It was just like, wow, you're you're a lot like Julie in that way because Julie cries very easily. Because and, you know uh, why? Because our hearts are so big. Oh, uh, we must end there because there's yes. nowhere else to go. Just lots of love there. Ted, Again, I Danielle. have loved this with you. Thank you so much for having me on and for having this amazingly important conversation. You're so very welcome. And that's it, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. Back soon with another episode right here on the Planet LP Podcast. Podcast.